Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I am Danny Heifetz here with Danny Kelly and Kevin Clark. Okay, draft just ended. Holy crap. Danny Kelly, can you first, remember? The first round a, just ended, Heifetz. Oh, yeah, sorry. First round. You know what? It is <laughs> 1230 Eastern. I'm tired. Yeah. Okay, man, there's yeah, going to be yeah. a lot of those mistakes. Okay. I so, understand that. I, I get that. You know, I'm going to Kevin first since you just corrected me. I'm going to go to Kevin <laughs> Thank instead. You. Thank this you, Danny. Is, Kevin, is this like the most win-win draft you can remember? Like, I feel like 26 fan bases are happy. Can you remember so much common sense happening in a first round? Wow. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I think that the Niners fans, uh, there's less of a chance of an apocalypse. I would say that. I was worried. You know who I feel bad for are the Niners fans. And this is not a small uh, group of fans who spent a month talking themselves into Mac Jones just accepting the inevitable. And now, now they can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. They get Trey Lance. Everything is fine. Um, but what I will say is I, I agree with you. I think that most fans came away from this feeling good. And, and I think that's a testament to uh, how many sensical picks there were. There weren't huge reaches. We were just talking about Peyton Turner um, being one. Perhaps we'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, but no, I, I think everybody comes away from this pretty happy. Whether that's Bears fans with Justin Fields, uh, whether that's Niners fans with Trey Lance. Obviously, we knew, we knew what the top two was coming in. Um, maybe you're you're upset if you're a Broncos fan. Maybe you're upset if you're a Panthers fan. Um, but what I would say mostly is I, I think there's a pretty high approval rating of this draft from from fan bases. And we got a Tim Tebow workout. So <laughs> what more can you ask for? That was the big Jaguars news of the day. DK, what do you think? Do you think I, I mean, I feel that was my sense. Teams mostly just made good decisions. Yeah. So I've been accused in the past of being a lenient grader when it comes to first round grades. Ooh, and it's something that I'm aware lenient of. And it's, graders. Ooh, it's okay. Well, no, that, well, not in my experience. People on Twitter get very upset about this. If you, if you give That's people Twitter's grades. However, I will say for the first like 10 or 12 picks or whatever, it was like all guys in my first 10 or 12 rankings. So like, what am I supposed yeah. to do? Give these teams F's for like player taking players. I like, um, so, but yeah, and I think overall, you know, I think there was, logical choices and, and, and strong choices in this class. There's a few things I would definitely pick nits at. Like I, I was sort of distraught that the Broncos passed up on Justin Fields. I think that was like some, a move yeah. that they could end up regretting down the line um, or even like shortly. Um, but I think, you know, overall, 
nothing too crazy. I think the Jets trading up for a, a for a Vera Tucker, they get a good player. But I mean, is that a, is that a like we've talked about this in the past? Like, why trade up for a non quarterback? You're giving up a lot of, you know, foundational building like capital in order to get a player that they maybe could have gotten that late. And and then, you know, the Vikings trade back and they get a good offensive tackle. So um, I don't know. I, I think like there's a few things you could like, you know, like quibble with, I guess. But like overall, it was a strong, a strong first round, I think. I don't want to derail this because we could go, we could do 45 minutes of what I'm about to say. Uh, but I will say, I think Raiders fans are confused. I think Raiders fans, are, I think John Gruden's confused. Mike Mayox, they're all confused. But I don't want to bury the lead here because as amazing as this first round was, let's be real. The thing that dominated this freaking day was everything Aaron Rodgers. This is absolutely, I mean, you know what? It's late. It's Ringer NFL show after dark. This was fucking batshit, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> this was insane. Kevin, what the hell do you make of this Aaron Rodgers? We have not talked about this yet. I don't know. What do you make of today and all this Aaron Rodgers trade news? It came out of nowhere. Um, and it got it accelerated so quickly because it went from mid-afternoon. Schefter says Aaron Rodgers want to come back to the Packers. Uh, almost every outlet gets some leak after that um, in the in the hours, uh, minutes and hours after that, uh, to the point that then Mark Schlereth, right before the draft starts, reports on the radio that a deal to the Broncos is as close as can be. I think that was the terminology. Um, then there were some confirmations of that report that maybe they're getting close and then nothing like the, the Broncos made their pick. Everything was fine. You know, Tom Silverstein does a great job covering the Packers. Basically said once the draft starts, that's it because they're not going to take future picks. Um, and what Silverstein said, and I agree with him, is if Rodgers really wanted out and was demanding a trade publicly, probably should have done that in February, probably should have done that um I, you know, when, when the Packers had a time to make a deal, they have, if you listen to the reports, they've flown out to California to meet with Rogers. Um, they've tried to offer him an extension, which he will not take. Uh, at this point, you know, I, I saw the, the Ed Werder quote, which I found interesting from an NFL GM who's not with the Packers, who said that the, he expects the Packers to quote, dig their feet in and make him play or be a game show host. And I kind of think <laughs> that's how it plays out now. Now that the draft has started, they have a, a win now roster. Uh, I think they're just going to roll the dice and hope that Aaron Rodgers shows up. DK, do you think that this was Rodgers actually wanting a trade? Or do you think, as Kevin says, if he wanted to trade, it'd be a couple months ago. Is this have to just embarrass the Packers just like, like he was kind of humiliated yeah. last year on draft day when they took Jordan Love? I don't know. That's, you know, that's a good question. The, the Love, obviously, the that factor with being in the first round of the draft, they traded up. Obviously, that was a big, you know, pivot point for the Packers in terms of like, oh, God, what does this mean for the future of the franchise? But um I'm very curious how long Schefter and and everyone else that reported on this has been sitting on this. You know what I mean? Because yeah. NFL reporters have, have a habit of of waiting for like big days like today where everyone's clued in, everyone's paying attention. You know, maybe he didn't sit on it for for long, but you know, this could this has been something that's building. So, I'm just curious like that timing and everything, you know, we heard in the hours before the draft like, "Oh, Teams are making moves. Teams are making moves. But at the end of the day, like these these guys are all getting ready for the draft. Like the draft is here. We got to like prep for this draft. This is the most important thing right in front of us. And so, um, yeah, I think like Kevin said, the timing was is was tough for teams to actually do anything because, you know, they had obviously this huge priority of nailing the first round and, and paying attention to that. So um, it is weird, it, you know, based on these reports by both uh, Jay Glazer and, and Adam Schefter, like it's a serious thing. They clearly... He clearly wants out 
or at least according to them. And it's more than just a contract thing. So I don't think this story is over clearly, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was one of those things where I, I, I questioned whether like the timing was like, just because the draft was today and this was like something to talk about or, or what. Yeah. So the report, the report that got me high fits was the pro football talk one. So Jay Glazer comes out and says, this goes beyond the contract stuff, which mm-hmm. I, I certainly believe, but then pro football talk reports, uh, that they're told, Mike Florio is told, he, quote, doesn't like anyone in the front office for a... (laughs) Hold on. It gets better in the second part of the quote. He doesn't like anyone in the front office for a variety of reasons. (laughs) Not only is Brian Gutekunst trash in love, he microwaves fish at the office. You know, the the front office there is uh, structured differently because they don't have an owner uh mark murphy is obviously running the show there they have shareholders uh, we should do a short squeeze like GameStop. yeah now my that's my question does aaron Rodgers hate all of the shareholders individually all the thousands <laughs> of them he just has a list of why he doesn't like them no so i just i think it's it's a it, it seems a little bit personal right now and maybe that that leak is just because he wants out and he wants to make sure that everyone knows it's it's you know I, going to be acrimonious and all that um but this is uh <laughs> this is this one from zero to 100 pretty quickly so i want to walk through what happens next because here's the thing he didn't get yeah. traded today he's not getting traded this weekend because now it, it, it comes into what you said no. kevin dig their heels in but i want to read a couple quotes from that Schefter and glazer reported Schefter's original tweet was reigning mvp aaron Rodgers is so disgruntled with the green bay packers that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team League and team sources told ESPN. And then also, basically, he's not coming back. Like, he's not going to play. So, Kevin, can we walk through what the hell actually happens next? Because I kind of want to go through these options. Like, basically, the only way that there's actual leverage is holding out here. So, assuming he doesn't get traded before training camp. Obviously, it's the simplest resolution. Is There's June minicamps. Let's say he skips that. He goes to training camp July 30th, whatever the date is. Can you walk us through the options here of like the reporting date and like the actual politics here of how this plays out? Well, the actual kind of structure of it is it's a game of chicken. Like that's the technical term, right? Like (laughs) this is a staring contest uh, because either he's going to show up or he's not. And he gets into a question that we've talked about a lot on this podcast and others, which is what, what would be fair value hypothetically for for Aaron Rodgers. If you called 31 other teams, and I put this on Twitter earlier today, and, and I was interested to, to see the responses, but if you called 31 other teams and said, give me your starting quarterback and your and, and one first-round pick, who says no? And I think it's the Chiefs and the Bills, maybe? And then the Chargers, yes. I think, are... are that's, a, that's a meeting they have to have. Um, and then I would... Where would you put the Ravens there? <laughs> like the Ravens? Uh, wow. They have a meeting about it. <laughs> they they have a meeting about it. That's the way it's the, all of our, it's the collective way we, we weasel out of that discussion. Um, but what happens now is we, we find out Aaron Rodgers, what his commitment is to this. And if he really isn't coming back, um, you know, listen, I'm surprised. I'm surprised at everything. Okay. Uh, I'm surprised that last April they took Jordan Love, even though I predicted it before the draft. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, I talked to Brian Gutenkunst in October or something like that. And I said, hey, does this season that Aaron's having, this MVP season, because we knew it was going to be MVP, MVP season back then, does this change anything with the timeline? And he was like, no, it changes nothing. Like, we always 
our goal is to just have quarterbacks on quarterbacks on quarterbacks, right? Like their goal is to actually be what the Eagles said they were trying to be, which is a quarterback factory. Um, it's total Ron Wolf. It's total. I mean, there's a reason that, that, that Brett Favre had so many amazing backups, right? They were always investing in the quarterback position and developing them. So that maybe a first round pick is too pricey, but we'll put that aside. Um, I would say beyond that, uh, and a lot of people on Twitter made this point where that's Greg Rosenthal. Um, again, Tom Silverstein made it, but you know they do have a pretty good roster. And the narrative that they haven't done anything to help Aaron Rodgers is a little bit misguided. They do have an all-pro <laughs> left tackle, an all-pro wide receiver. They hired a coach who ran an offense that Aaron Rodgers wanted. Um, they have a, a roster that could win the Super Bowl in theory. Um, so I, I think it's not a bad situation if Aaron Rodgers wants to run it back. It just comes down to something we don't know, which is, does Aaron Rodgers hate the Packers so much that he would rather retire than play there? To your point, Kevin, and talking about the narrative, they don't get him help. It's weird because on one hand, they have all pro at left tackle and Bakhtiari. They have all pro in Devontae Adams. On the other hand, DK, does last year's draft with the Packers where they take Jordan Love in the first round, you've got A.J. Dillon in the second. Not only were those guys not starters, they weren't second string. They were, I mean, Jordan Love was inactive the entire season. He was the third string quarterback. Right. Tim Boyle was second. Right. A.J. Dillon's the third string quarter running back. Is that basically going to go down as like the worst draft any team's ever had? I mean, worst, worst is maybe not the right word, but definitely like most antagonistic. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And, and, the, and then after all this, like, you know, you could make the argument. Maybe he was doing this to be like, hey, take a freaking receiver in the first round. They go and take a corner with their first round pick with Elijah Moore out there. Um, you know, Terrace Marshall out there still a couple of really good receivers, explosive receivers still on the board uh, at their pick and they take a corner. So, you know, they obviously th what I wrote in my grade was like, this is clearly not like an olive branch, you know, pick where they're like, hey, we got to do anything we can do to keep our guy and keep him happy and all that like that. This is clearly they don't care or at least they. Uh, their actions don't show that they didn't sign anybody, you know, any any big outside names in free agency in terms of the pass catcher position. Um, you know, it, it's just bizarre to me, like how they're treating this. I, I will agree with Kevin, like they have a talented roster, but, you know, he's publicly lobbying for this. He, he has been for like two years for like new more receivers, more talent in the in the pass catcher core. And, you know, they just seem to be ignoring him. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how this is going to end up, but it seems like he might be done there. Gutenkunst said that they only got one call and it was brief, which seems to dovetail with the John Lynch admission that they did call about the third pick for Rodgers and that, that they they very quickly said no. Um, so yeah. it sounds like the Broncos and the Panthers and some of these other teams didn't even try. And, and it go, again, it goes to our point that we're talking about, which was if you drop this news three hours before the draft, well, the Broncos are in the war room trying to figure out who they're going to draft right. in the, with their top 10 pick. They can't say they can't start doing thought experiments on, on what fair value would look like. I mean, I'm surprised maybe the Panthers didn't get involved even with, I mean, here, here's my question. Okay. If you have the opportunity to get Sam, if you have the opportunity to get, Aaron Rodgers on top of Sam Darnold. Don't you do it? Isn't yeah. the whole thing? What do you mean one team called? How is that possible? I mean, that's what Gutenkun said. But no, no. But here's my question. If you're a team like the, the, the Panthers and you have a solution for 2021 right now, I guess, in theory, don't you just clear the decks? Because the whole thing with David Tepper is he's going to, quote unquote, move mountains to get a franchise quarterback. Well, he doesn't have that right now. So there's your opportunity. And so the fact that I, I listen, I've, I say this all the time. Everybody gets mad at me, but like, you should be making these calls. Like you are, yeah. you're, I, I've said it for 20 players and I'll say it for 20 more players, but if you're not calling, 
about about Aaron Rodgers, I think you might be committing malpractice. You know, one one exception. You know, I, so Dave Gettleman gets asked about it in the post game or post post draft press conference today, and do you know what he said? No, they said did they said did you call about Aaron Rodgers? And he said, "quote That's none of my business. I didn't call." <laughs> I this is seething. I just don't know. I. What I don't know why you wouldn't call is my question. I feel like I don't yeah. know as much about the NFL as I thought I did. If the, if that statement is true, it's easier to believe it's a lie. But the fact that if Gutekunst actually got one call, I feel like I actually don't know anything about football. No, I think it's, I think it's two separate things. Like we can sit here and say you should be calling and be the armchair quarterback. But on the other hand, I think that these guys were so laser focused on the draft that they didn't have the opportunity to do it. So I, okay. I am, I'm of two minds here. I I, I agree with with the sentiment that they should call but i also agree with the sentiment that if it leaks five hours before the the draft starts you have your mind on other things so let's there's a whole first round i want to get to but before we do that what happens next year so dk you've um, you're a seahawks fan you've had a lot of experience with holdouts and trade requests russell wilson has like a fake trade demand list whatever the hell he did early this season you i mean cam chancellor held out all time everyone on the seahawks held out at some point the thing with other positions is the date you actually have to show up is week one and then you get fined and blah, 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 blah. But like the, if the quarterback doesn't show up for training camp, the whole team is screwed. So is the actual date here? It's not week one. Like if Rogers doesn't show up for training camp, not only is he have to be willing to miss money, like is that is really July 30th or whenever training camp begins? Is that really the date for like the next deadline here for Rogers? No, it's a deadline. It's not the ultimate deadline. I think they could they could get through. And, and you know, obviously some of the teams are still going to be doing like remote stuff and and. And all that while um, you know, while everybody gets vaccinated and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I think that's that is one date that they have to like kind of circle. But ultimately, yeah, it's going to be much further closer to the to the season. That's when you like you, you'll see real action, real, real like quote, like deadline spur action or whatever. Um, I don't think it's just the start of training camp. I don't think that will be a big enough trigger. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to whether Rodgers is actually content to sit out and miss a lot of games and maybe pay back a portion of his signing bonus, which he seems stubborn enough to willing to do. And he can also do the Carson Palmer and like fake retire until he gets traded. Like he has options. He's more than most people. (laughs) I just want to make this clear. He also has the option to leave and become a game show host of even if it's people were saying on Twitter, they they didn't think it was going to be Jeopardy or whatever. But like, I'm sure like the Watt brothers hosted a game show last summer. Like... (laughs) I think Peyton Manning's hosting a game show this summer. Like, I promise you, Aaron Rodgers can get work in Hollywood. I promise. I, <laughs> yeah. I I don't want to speak for anybody, but I promise you, I don't want to get in trouble with the with with upstairs. We give him a Ringer podcast. We would give Aaron Rodgers a Ringer <laughs> podcast. We got Ringerverse yeah. now. He loves yeah. that stuff. Aaron Rodgers. Oh my God. TV concierge with Aaron Rodgers. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. 
Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Okay. Let's get to the actual draft. Speak uh, NFC North sticking with this. The Bears traded up for Justin Fields. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so the actual trade was the Bears get number 11. The Giants, first trade to get back for Dave Gettleman ever, says the Giants got number 20 and a fifth rounder this year. They also got Bears 2022 first next year and a fourth rounder next year. DK, what do you think? I mean, we'll get to the trade in a second. Justin Fields yeah. in Chicago. What does that do for you? Like spiritually? Uh, <laughs> I can't say I was excited. That was the landing spot for him. I think that was probably low on my list of, of places that he could go where I feel very confident he's going to have success in the NFL. Um, if I'm being honest, but yeah, I, so yeah, I guess like bottom line is I'm not very excited about the landing spot. I am excited wow. that a team thought, you know, he, he was, he was worth, a future first to trade up for you keep, you kept hearing stories where he's going to fall. He's going to fall. The NFL doesn't like this guy as much as, you know, draft Twitter and, and I like him. Um, so that was kind of on my mind as the draft went on. He ended up being the fourth quarterback taken. So, you know, there was some validity to that, but you know, clearly the bears see this guy as a franchise changing potential changing player. And um, they, you know, the, the bears give up a future first rounder. So this is what's interesting about that is like, obviously with pace and, and Nagy, they're, sort of their backs are against the wall. So it's like, what's a future first if you're not going to be here in 2022? Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like this shows conviction. I, I like this move. I think it's a great move for them. I think it immediately um, raises their ceiling in, in 2021. It makes them a team that I think could challenge for the playoffs. Um, I imagine he'll go in there and start right away. And he's got that. He's got a good defense that can he can use as a foundation. That's always a good thing for a young quarterback to have that. He's not going to be playing like having to play from behind big leads or sorry, big deficits every game. You know, that's where a lot of mistakes get made for rookie quarterbacks. So I think that's good. He has a number one receiver in Allen Robinson. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's some good things about this. Like obviously Nagy doesn't have a good track record with quarterbacks there. Yeah. And so that's like a worry to me, but you know, it could be worse. I should, I, I, I would say. Yeah. That's that's what I was going to ask when you say 
you weren't super jazzed about it. Is it because there's some stylistic problem with Nagy or is it just the psychic toll of playing for the Bears? <laughs> like, is it just a, so, tough, yeah. like a tough hang to just to be there? Or is it like, are you, are you worried that, that Nagy and him will gel? Yeah, no, I'm not worried about them gelling necessarily. Just like the track record there. Obviously, the Trubisky years have been tough um, with that offense. Um, I would say, like, of the teams I thought that were going to take a quarterback, so the 49ers, the Falcons maybe, um, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Patriots, the Saints, the Bears. I would say the Bears were probably, like, lowest on that rung uh, that tier of teams i thought could take a quarterback in terms of like oh, i'm excited that this guy is landing here this is really good for him like oh, the broncos they have all these playmakers um you know they, they've got this young core they have a good defense all that stuff so i was i was like much more excited about some of these other teams but um you know ultimately he does have that good defense to, to kind of give him that support to get a number one receiver uh their run game really clicked at the end of the season last year so hopefully that'll carry over um, but I do think he can like change everything. You know, he's, I think he's that level of a talent. So um, bottom line, I'm excited to see what he does in Chicago. I'm shocked. I got to pour one out for Robert Mays. I thought this was so much fun. Justin Fields is like the best quarterback the Bears have ever had. Maybe I guess Jake Hilton, <laughs> like, like this is unreal. He's this is so cool. This is like yeah. undoing the Mitchell Trubisky stuff or not undoing it. You can have but like at least learning. for This is fun. I think the Bears yeah. having a fun quarterback is cool. I'm shocked. I, don't, I thought this was super exciting. I'm a little surprised. Okay. Uh, well, from, is, from like a, from like a success in year one point of view, are you, do you think this is like an ideal spot for him? Are you just excited uh, for the they, Bears? They don't have like, a is great this a good line. landing spot? I, I, I mean, culturally, yeah, I think that the city of Chicago having a great quarterback is good for the NFL. Yes. I, I don't know if he's going to like, I think it's good. Good for Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's probably doing tequila shots somewhere. What percentage, uh, certain are you that he'll be a great quarterback? Me? That's a great no, question. DH is uh, calling him a great quarterback. I'm just. That's a good question because I've completely changed my mind this offseason and decided okay. that landing spot is like 70% of it. So you're right that I don't right. have confidence in Nagy. <laughs> so you're right. So actually, I'll throw it like if he had gone to San Francisco, I would have said 85. Now that he's in Chicago, sure, yeah. I'll call it 40. But he's undoubtedly going to be more exciting than anyone they've had since like when Kate Cutler was good. Uh, I would like to see them invest in the line in, in the next two rounds, honestly. But otherwise, yeah. I, I won't be surprised if it's a really fun team. I'd be sort. I'd be sort of surprised. Wow. Okay. We'll see. I don't know. Okay. Let's <laughs> I, go. I, the, I think Justin Fields can be fun, and the Bears can be unfun as a whole. I think mean, two yeah, things can be true. That's at once. probably the correct take. Okay. So we are almost twenty-five minutes or ish into this podcast. We're contractually obligated to talk to the, about the Patriots before we hit the half-hour mark. I think that's in writing. So the Patriots took Mac Jones, DK. After all after, that, after, after all, all that, <laughs> after all that, Mac Jones falls to the Pats at fifteen. There's a thousand ways into this, but I'm just curious. I don't know. Like he was, everyone jokingly, I, I really have, really seriously compared him to Tom Brady, not from like the psych and winning thing, but just his style right, right. to the Patriots. What do you think, make of Mac Jones to New England? Uh, I think it, I think whoever started this whole thing that Mac Jones is going to go to the 49ers and be the third overall pick was like the best thing that could possibly happen to the just Patriots brilliant. because just brilliant because we've been completely gaslit into believing he's like this high level <laughs> quarterback. He's he was never bad. It, this whole thing has just been hilarious because he was never bad. He was always gaslit. to me sort of like a second half 
like back half of the first round type quarterback. Clearly, in my mind, he doesn't have the upside as some of these other guys: Trey Lance, Justin Fields, obviously Trevor Lawrence and Josh uh, uh, and uh, Zach Wilson. But I mean, he he was a you know very good, very successful quarterback for Alabama. Put up ridiculous stats. Uh, elite ball distributor for that offense. I think that's exactly what you know. In theory, that Belichick is looking for just like a guy who's going to go out there and run the offense, get the ball out, um, quick processor. Like like Heifetz, like you mentioned, he looks. He actually like looks like Tom Brady when he moves around in the pocket, like just physically. Um, I'm not saying he's is that, it because Tom Brady has the shirtless but... combine photo where he looks like a dweeb, and then Mac Jones has that shirtless photo with the cigar. Where he looks a little round. That's part of it, but I, it, but his like just the way he moves. Also, I think I, I heard this like he wears his socks the exact same way as Tom Brady. Like he loves Tom mm. Brady. Oh and so, um, mm, anyway, so the, you know, this know is this one. is one of those situations. If if we hadn't been talking about Mac Jones as the third overall pick for the last month, and the and the 49ers had taken him at fifteen, I think people would be laughing. But now it's like, oh, this is a great value for them. Right, <laughs> you Kevin, know what I mean? So yeah, it's kind I, of funny that way. I'm Kevin, over under six and a half Super Bowls for Mac Jones. <laughs> way under. I will say that I, I'm with Danny. When he started to slip, I started to feel bad for Mac Jones because he's not the one. That put out that he's going to be the third pick, right? Like, and, <laughs> right. And, and, and then all of a sudden it becomes, oh wow, he's sliding down. And there wasn't, you know, the Broncos weren't going to take, the, especially with Fields on the board, the Broncos are not going to take the leap. Um, the Panthers weren't. So you kind of saw as soon as SF passed, you kind of saw New England as the natural fit. Um, I listened to an inter- interview last month with Charlie Weiss where he talked about how much he liked Mac Jones and he made some interesting points. And listen, I, this is not an endorsement of Mac Jones as a quarterback. I think he'll be fine. Um, but Weiss was really high on him. First of all, he made the point that no one dinged Joe Burrow for a superstar cast and everybody did it for Mac Jones, which I thought was interesting. Um, I think Joe Burrow obviously is much better. Um, but then he said that you know his mobility in the pocket is important and then that having worked under Bill Belichick, what Belichick will do with any quarterback. And there's a, this is a cliche, but there's a reason it's, there's a cliche, right? Um, what Belichick will do was, and this is the quote from Weiss, uh, was take what you can do and do a whole lot of it. Hmm. And he can hit guys accurately. Um, he can he can find receivers. I mean, the problem is going to be the receivers just aren't good enough. Um, yeah. He's going to have worse receivers than he had at Alabama. Um, but I think that there's a case to be made that this is going to be fine. I don't think this is a franchise changing pick or anything like that. Um, but I think that they've raised their ceiling at the quarterback position. Um, I think that he'll probably play over Cam Newton at some point this year. Uh, so I'm not, Hmm. I'm not too, uh, upset or anything like that. I think it's fine. Um, I, I would have been, it would have been ridiculous if, if the Niners invested three total first round picks in into Mac Jones, um, but they didn't. And now the whole the whole shape of the trade, the whole, whole shape of the first round change. TK, do you think we get Mac Jones is just basically more like Brady, but it's the 01 to 06 Brady before he did the 50 touchdowns and <laughs> became the current Brady? Because I feel like. Yeah, the, yeah. It was just a different era with Brady Manning. It was like it would be that version of Brady and then maybe they'll have the team's success. Right. So like you're you're talking he he's a more of a in a game manager role. You rely on a very strong defense, all that. I think the difference will be in in whether, you know, Mac Jones turns out to be an elite level quarterback is what he can do in crunch time. Obviously, Brady made his whole career just being this elite guy um in the fourth quarter and, and late in games on, on game winning drives, all that stuff just ice cold and and 
you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens with, with Mac Jones. I mean, he didn't face a lot of adversity playing for a juggernaut team like Alabama, you know, in terms of, you know, being the guy that has to like carry the offense and all that. Um, so there's going to be a learning curve, I think, for him. He's another guy. Like, he's just like Trey Lance. He has 17 career starts, I believe, under his belt. Um, yep. You know, he hasn't thrown a ton of passes in his college career. So he's coming into the league pretty raw. They threw a lot of RPOs, like all this stuff. There's there's major concerns here. Um, I think the accuracy, the processing, um, the decision making, all that stuff is very, very promising. And, you know, I think what he did in that offense, especially after seeing, you know, what what Tua did this year, like basically like I think the the fact that he like outplayed Tua Yep. In a normal year, we'd be more excited. Not he didn't outplay, him, but he had like better stats than Tua. They won the national title. Like in a num- in a normal year, had Tua maybe just sat this entire season with it, you know, with his injury, and not played relatively poorly, I bet we'd have a different opinion of Mac Jones right now. Like hmm. we'd see him as this elite processor, hmm. this this guy who can, you know, just distribute the ball, all this stuff, all the stuff that yeah. I said, I said it about Tua. Um, you know, I think that we probably have a slightly different opinion on him, but like since Tua struggled this last year, and I think a lot of that was probably partly due at least to his injury and coming back from that. But, you know, I think that kind of, you know, it, it colored the narrative a little bit that way just because um, I think it, it sort of like made us rethink whether Alabama quarterbacks are that great. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I've done a lot of research on the early part of Tom Brady's career. And I remember writing a couple of years ago and looking through some of the old Boston Globe columns and gamers and stuff. And I remember Bob Ryan saying that, that Tom Brady paper cuts you to death. And it sounds mm. crazy because, you know, 07 comes, they open it up and he's, you know, throwing some of the prettiest deep balls we've ever seen in an NFL game. Um, he's hitting Randy Moss, you know, down the sideline. He's hitting Wes Welker over the middle of the field. Um, but those early Tom Brady seasons, he was, that team was doing more with less. And a lot of that was the incredible defense. A lot of that, as you said, Danny was, was the clutch plays in the fourth quarter. Um, so the Patriots can win with a quarterback who's not giving them a ton. Um, and I, you know, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback who's ever played the game. Um, but he wasn't when he was 24 and 25. And the first year he was a starter, he had 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He was pretty good. Um, and yeah. so I don't think Mac Jones is going to go from paper cut you to death to the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, but what I, what I can say is that Belichick, as it's currently constructed, can win 11 games with a player like Mac Jones um, as long as everything breaks right. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a really good point. So while we're here, the other things we thought Mac Jones was going to go to San Francisco. Turns out that they went with Trey Lance. TK, what do you make of this? I feel like no one really knows yeah. who Trey Lance is. Everyone's kind of pretending. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's the reason being part of the reason is he didn't play in, 29, uh, in 2020. I mean, we haven't seen him really since 2019. He did play one sort of exhibition game this season for for the scouts and all that. But um, he played, you know, at a lower level. He played. He hasn't played in a year in his college career. He's thrown like 318 passes, which is absurdly low number. And then if you go back even further into um, into his high school career, he was in a run heavy offense in high school, too. So just overall, like from a just pure reps point of view, he is a very rare, rare prospect, rare quarterback, especially for a third overall like pick. The lack of starts, lack of total starts on a, on a quarterback's resume is generally one of the biggest red flags 
for quarterback prospects going into the NFL. So I don't know. It's worrisome. I think the skill set that he brings, he's very athletic. Um, he's very, you know, he he's really in tune with like the type of offense that they're going to be running in San Francisco, like run heavy. He was part of a run heavy offense in college and high school. Um, he knows that it's like natural to him. He, he's experienced like doing bootlegs, all that stuff. Everything that we've heard, and, and the 49ers even came out and said this after the draft, I think, that he's like the smartest quarterback in this class. Um, just like can go up and in, on the board, dissect a defense, knows exactly what's happening with the defense. It's extremely important for him to be able to hit the ground running um, in the NFL. And he's the type of guy who, you know, at North Dakota State, um, they prepped him basically like this is what I heard in the pre-draft process. They like would go through every one of their days was like, like a normal practice in NFL. So he's like had that experience. He kind of like knows how it all goes and how it all works. So they obviously fell in love with the kid. You know, it, it's uh it's one of those things. It's a cliche, but they fell in love with the kid. And and I think they think he's really smart and, and, and he can pick up the offense and he has the physical tools to do it. But you're absolutely right though. Like at the end of the day, you know, we don't really know who he is because he's thrown so few passes and, and played in so few games. He didn't he, exactly like Mac Jones, too. Like he's he's played from behind. Rarely in his in his college career, like they were a juggernaut at that level. And he's like they never had to play from behind hardly ever. Um, so we're going to learn a lot of stuff about him as we go along, like what he's like in those crunch time situations when they have to play from behind, you know, when when they're in a you know, dire situation in the fourth quarter. Like we, we haven't really seen that. So like, yeah, we don't know who he is, but I think they, they fell in love with the the skill set and his, his mind for football. And I think that's what gave them the conviction to move up. So Kevin, you got me into formula one this year. And one of the first things you told me about formula one, no, 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 I'm going somewhere. One of the first thing you told me about formula one is like yeah. half the thing is just who's in the best car. For all the talk well, we probably, have. Probably more than half. Yeah. More than half. All right. 80%, whatever it is. For, for quarterbacks, yeah. is there a chance that for all the talk about Lawrence is generational and Fields is really good and Zach yeah, Wilson, yeah, yeah. is the 49ers just the best car here and Trey Lance yeah, just has asking, to drive it? You're asking if, if Kyle Shanahan is Mercedes? Is that what you're yes, asking? Yes, is Kyle Shanahan Mercedes? I just want to say I'm deep into Tom Brady's pro football reference page. The first time he had a 100 rating or above, he was 30 years old. That's how much the game has changed. He was obviously wow. amazing. They went 14 and 2, you know, when, when he was 26. But I'm just saying that was... His development was amazing, and the game has changed. Okay, um, back to your question. So, with Trey Lance, yes, and, and that's something that I've said. You know, the day of the the trade, I said, no matter what happens, this trade will look better than maybe it should have because Kyle Shanahan's going to take whoever. I mean, it could have been Mac Jones, it could have been damn Kyle Trask, okay, and he's going to make those guys look better than they should, and. I'm not saying Trey Lance is going to win a Super Bowl. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be an elite quarterback. I'm saying that um, Kyle Shanahan has made so many quarterbacks look good that Trey Lance, who I think has a lot of talent, a lot of skills, is going to look really, really good in that offense because not only does a lot, do a lot of people uh, look good in that offense, but he himself would look good on any offense. Um, so I think you're combining Trey, Trey Lance's skills um, with the coaching staff that can elevate anybody, and I like it. Um, what, el what else I like, you know, Dimitrov came on our podcast a couple weeks ago, and he singled out. Um, Trey Lance is someone who could benefit from a Mahomesian Alex Smith type relationship. And he actually thought about Atlanta for that spot because back then we thought Mac Jones was going three. Um, but 
let's say Garoppolo really does stay. And we've heard the the Shanahan stuff about maybe he'll maybe we'll be dead on Sunday or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I, I assume that that means that they right now Shanahan came out and basically said he'll be on the roster Sunday. Um, there will be no trade. Um, but I expect that at this point until training camp. And I expect them to at least start with two quarterbacks and maybe there's some mentoring going on. I don't know. You know, I, I do think it's weird. You know, Alex Smith was at a different time in his career. Um, it was a lot less, I guess you could say sudden. Um, he had a full year that they knew he was going to be starter. So it's a, it's a different situation. Um, I guess they're gonna have to feel out how much Garoppolo wants to be the mentor. I mean, the, the chiefs thing, you know, I, I remember going there in Mahomes' first year, and they basically said that Mike Kafka was Mahomes' personal coach, right, essentially, and that Alex Smith helped him with a ton of things and that Andy and and Matt Nagy basically handled Alex because he was the starter, right? Um, and so if you're going to have that, you're going to have the Lances, the backup, Garoppolo's the starter thing, you better have a real plan. I'm sure they will because it's a great coaching staff, but you better have, I mean, everything, every step, every throw, every practice rep was totally um, scripted perfectly because they knew they had to handle that situation with Alex Smith and Mahomes. And so if that happens this year, um, they better have a good plan for it. Uh, because it can be interesting. And the other part of it, by the way, which I, I don't know how this would play out, when people saw Mahomes in practice, they were like, oh, Mahomes should be the starter now. Like mm-hmm. that was like week yeah. three, they're looking at it and saying, oh, wow. And if that happens in this situation where it's not Alex Smith, it's Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, does Kyle Shanahan, because of the investment, want to go there? What happens then? Um, I just think there's more questions and answers going into the season now. Uh, but, I, you know, Trey Lance is a better pick than Mac Jones. So. That's the, I think that those are the quarterbacks that I think were surprising. I think Lawrence and Wilson are kind of chalk. So I, I honestly, I don't think it's that interesting. The, the other, the most interesting non quarterback thing that happened here, I think the Eagles getting Devontae Smith and yeah. then leaping ahead of the Giants to do that. DK, how, I mean, they kind of had to do this, right? Well, yeah, because there were so many rumors out there that the Giants loved Devontae Smith. We don't know for sure if that's like true. But obviously the Eagles felt that it was at least real enough to like make this little move, jump up, to go over the Eagles, uh, get their guy. Like we talked about Devontae Smith for the last month as like a big target for them. And so, you know, this wasn't a big surprise. I think it makes a ton of sense. I think he's he's a perfect fit for that offense, what they want to do. He's like their number one. You can move Rager over. He can be like a natural number two. I, I never really thought Rager was like the number one type of playmaker. Like that would be the go-to guy, like the Devontae Adams or whatever. Um, so I think getting Devontae Smith in there uh, gives them that go-to guy, a good compliment to Rager, good compliment to uh, Dallas Goddard in the middle of the field, really helps Hurts in year one, I think. I think that Smith is the type of receiver that can hit the ground running and and play significant snaps as a rookie. And so I think everything just made a lot of sense. Um, Eagles fans were going to riot, I think, if they dropped back too far, missed out on Devontae Smith, missed out on Jalen Waddell. So I don't know if this was like a, was this a PR move to like move up two spots and grab him maybe, but like they, they definitely, you know, were, I think aggressive in a good way. Look, here's what happened. The Eagles benched Jalen hurts, played Nate Sudfeld, got lost the game, got a better draft pick, went back, got an extra first rounder, and then still managed to get the Heisman trophy winning wide receiver at the position their fans wanted. Kevin, 
Do you think that teams are more willing to tank in week 17? Not the whole season. Do you think teams will be more willing to throw games in week 17 for better draft position after watching how the Eagles just did this draft? I saw a tweet from, I think it was a Raiders writer who talked about how when we thought Rodgers was going to be a Bronco there, when Mark Schleyroth had that, um, that the Raiders won a game in week 17 that would have, and obviously the Raiders don't want to spend the money and, and don't have the money, the capability um, to fit a player like Rodgers. But, you know, draft position matters. In fact, that the Raiders won a week 17 game, like it comes back to bite you. And And I think that part of the problem with week 17, Danny, is like, it's embarrassing because so many of those guys in an unguaranteed contract league, they do not want to take plays off. Um, no. They do not want to have any game film where it looks like they're lollygagging. Um, I know this sounds ridiculous, but like these dudes care and they do not care about, you know, next September. They don't, they're, most of them, unless you're a starting quarterback and in the Eagles case, not even then, um, <laughs> you have no job security. Um, yeah. in this league. And so I think that you would have to do something like the Eagles do with Nate Sudfeld, which I think the players find embarrassing. And we saw that with some of the comments after the game where it was players saying, hey, we're, you know, we're we're going to, we we don't think about the future. You, you you have to build a culture and all that stuff. And I think that that's, that's really important. So I think, you know, we've seen some more subtle tanks in the NBA. Um, obviously, we've seen some out and out tanks. Um, but I also think that we might see more like, Hey, let's just sit these guys or, or, you know, before the game, like, I don't think it's going to be so overt like it is in some other leagues. Um, but I think that the, the thing that keeps NFL teams from tanking, tanking is the players just don't want to give up a rep. Basically. I think you're right. I mean, the difference is you can play casual basketball. Like you you can't play football at anything less than full speed. And I think you're totally right. Like these guys don't care. It, the thing in the NBA is you can just sign a bunch of guys from the G League and just throw them out in crunch time. That's easy. Yeah. In football, either everybody notices or you just can't do that with the roster. I mean, guys get, I think they can learn from the NBA with like shutting guys down for the season when it's kind of iffy. Like, listen, I'm an Orlando Magic fan. I've seen some tanking basketball. If, if NFL teams need tips on how to tank, I can <laughs> easily let them know. You, you know, if someone's got a sore wrist, oops, sorry, they're out a month. I've always said the Magic were thought leaders. When Rob Hennigan, the uh, GM, got fired from the Magic, he went to the Thunder, and his title at the Thunder is Director of Insight and Foresight. <laughs> wow. That's, maybe that's what uh, John Gruden's new title will be for the Raiders. So, uh, speaking of the Raiders, great. Let's just, the Raiders are mind-blowing to me. DK, so the, the John Gruden, again, John Gruden goes to the Bucs, gets traded from the Raiders to the Bucs like 18 years ago, wins the Super Bowl with the Bucs, with a roster he inherited littered with Hall of Famers. Since then, since winning that with a team he inherited, he has 16 games under 500 with the Bucs, gets $100 million over 10 years to run the Raiders. And then since then, here are the Raiders draft picks since John Gruden has taken over this team. They have taken, in the first round, they took uh, Colt Miller from the Raiders. Or sorry, Colt Miller from, I think, UCLA. Cleland Farrell in the first round in 2019. Yep. John, Josh Jacobs and a box safety, Jonathan Abram. And then they took Henry Ruggs, and Dame, a receiver, and Damon Arnett, cornerback last year. Now they take Alex Leatherwood. Do any of these picks make... What are the Raiders doing? They make sense only in the theory that they only watch the college football playoff. <laughs> just clumps it up. More than half of their picks are just 
Clemson or Alabama? More than half. It's bizarre because it feels like they don't pay attention to the, I don't know if this matters, but they don't pay attention to sort of like the consensus uh, no. areas that all these players are expected to go. I, I can't speak to what every team was going to do and what every team, where every team had Alex Leatherwood on their board. But when you have this track record of so many players being perceived as massive reaches, it's it starts. It makes me think it's the Raiders. It's not me. It's it's the Raiders. It's not like everyone else. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like the the principal Skinner thing or whatever. It's like oh, it's the children that are wrong. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like I don't know. You know, I I don't think this is a massive reach. I don't think it's a terrible move. I think Alex Weather- Leatherwood is a good player, and um, you know, he's a solid addition to their offensive line. They had they had a needed offensive line, but I think. He's the type of player where you say, hey, you guys should trade back and take him at the back end of the back half of the first round because that was the overwhelming consensus of where he was going to go. And so, you know, I don't know. It, it's just it's a it's a pattern with this team. Uh, almost all those picks that you mentioned were perceived as massive reaches. They yep. don't seem to have a good grasp on positional value. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned as kind of like the way that they're building this thing out. It reminds me a little bit of there's another Simpsons line. I'm going to paraphrase it where Homer was basically like explaining the concept of money to himself or he was just like his brain was like money can be exchanged for goods and services. Right. And like, I don't know if it's positional value as much as it is like someone should just give them a PowerPoint on on what they could get. You know, like you guys could get more right. draft picks and get more Alex Leatherwoods, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and so when when I see this, you know, listen, I'm a lot more comfortable, and I think we all should be. I'm a lot more comfortable criticizing teams when they don't know how to play the draft or they reach or they could have gotten a guy 30 slots later and they took him here or whatever. I'm a lot more comfortable with that than saying this player sucks, right? Like, I, I just think that that stuff is a little right. more unknowable and there's so many scheme things that go into it and there's so many personality things that go into it and work ethic and all that stuff. And so it's easier for me to sit here and say, you know, a good example is the Giants taking Daniel Jones, right? And then they kind of made up that there were a bunch of teams behind them that were going to take Daniel Jones. Diana Rossini comes out and says, no, that, that wasn't going to happen. The, the Giants reached, right? The Raiders seem to do this every single year. Every um, time. Every pick. Every time. And and it's just to me, why don't they become almost what kind of the 2000s, 2010s Patriots were, where they're just trading back 15 spots all the time and collecting so many picks. And listen, John, Mike, if you want to pick all these guys in the college football playoff, you can get more of those guys in the second round. If you take the first <laughs> round pick and turn them into second and third round picks and there's more of those guys, you can just go and just pop in the college football playoff VCR and just point at all these guys take them the third round. I just think that this, I don't want to come off as, as anything other than just disappointed that, that they seem to in, you know, what year four of the Gruden era, they just seem to not have a grasp on what the modern draft is all about. And, and I just wish, you know, I, they, they do have a, an analytics department. They do. Gruden is a little more savvy on, on some things and he lets on, but this is not one of them. You just hit the nail on the head. They don't have a grasp on the modern draft. Guess what? What was the knock on Gruden and Mayock when this happened? It was, have they been out of the game too long? Guess what? Every mm. single move suggests that they have. And you know what? Here's the thing. They, Gruden was, again, $100 million for 10 years, basically an unprecedented contract for a coach. He runs the entire organization. 
There's seven years and maybe $70 million left. It's guaranteed. Mark Davis, first of all, the owner, Mark Davis, he doesn't have the cash to just fire Gruden and pay $10 million a year to not coach the Raiders. He's locked in. This has Titanic vibes, like long sinking ship here. Like, I don't understand how they, they haven't been above 500 yet. I don't know if they see a way out because they seem to just be squandering all these picks and they're paying 130 cents on the dollar for all these players. And the free agency is a disaster, too. They're paying premium prices to fix holes that he created and none of the solutions are working. They keep throwing players at cornerback. None of them are working. They sign LaMarcus Joyner. He ends up being the worst slot defender in the entire NFL last season. I don't understand how this continues if they don't win. If they don't have a winning record this season, like, what do you do? With six years left on his deal at the end of the year. Can you do anything? Yeah. I have some good news. They can't go eight and eight again. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Bonus. Maybe that's what they can tell the tanking players. Hey, you don't have to. You players your ass off in week 17, but the week 18 don't even show up. But don't worry about it. They've gotten better every year. Four wins, seven wins, eight wins. That's called an upward trajectory, Danny Heifetz. You're right. I'm just being too negative, Nancy, (laughs) here. Um, Okay. Let's end on a good note, though, because I think this was overall really fun, cool night. I think that there is a there are more storylines entering the season than like like fun ones than I can ever remember. Honestly, sure. I want to end with this like really bizarre, cool pattern that is now from this draft, which is Joe Burrow for the Bengals is now going to be throwing to Jamar Chase, who they had like this record breaking season together. Now they get to play together in Cincinnati. The next pick is and that's a national championship team duo of Burrow and Waddle. The next uh, Duke Burrow and Chase. The next pick is Tua and Jalen Waddle, who also won a mm-hmm. national championship together. And then later, the Jaguars add Travis Etienne to go with Trevor Lawrence, which is another national championship duo. <laughs> the last, like, this is unbelievable. DK, how, I mean, look, running back and quick, I, I don't care about the running back value thing. This is just cool. Do Hertz and Devontae, or not, yeah, Hertz and Devontae Smith count as two also? Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Four. That's insane. I didn't even think about that one. That's four yeah. reunions from like not all national championship teams. Isn't that like love that. insane? Yeah. yeah. It's great, man. It's uh so like getting to individual picks. I love the chase pick for uh for the Bengals. I probably if I was them, I would have gone Sewell just because I think like human beings that move like him and that can block like him are just harder to find in the world, generally speaking, than a, than a, like a fast, very good receiver. There's just more and more receivers this year or, or every year, it seems like. So I don't know. That was like my personal opinion. However, it's very hard for me to nitpick because Chase is awesome. He's like an extremely talented pass catcher. He's going to raise the ceiling of that offense a lot, I think. And then putting him in an offense with T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon, is like this is already one of the most exciting young like skill position groups in the NFL, and that's exactly what you should do for a young quarterback. Like, take some pressure off of him. I know that they got to figure out their offensive line stuff, um, but I think you know overall, just man, that's super exciting. Uh, the the Waddle thing I think is interesting because now you got elite elite speed in that offense. You got Will Fuller, you have Waddle, and then matching the, those two guys up with. Devontae Parker and, and Gesicki. It's like a, it's just a good mix, I think, of like talent and skill sets. And I think that's going to really help Tua in year two. So um, really like those two. And then obviously the, the ETN thing, I think, is interesting. Um, 
you know, especially for a team coming off of a, a season which they got elite production from an undrafted free agent running back, like why would you spend a first round pick on a running back? But um, it's fun, you know, from like a, it's fun. a actual watching football point of view. You know, he's an explosive guy. They obviously have a ton of experience together, Lawrence and Etienne. So he could be like a natural outlet for him and when pressure comes. And so overall, you know, those are all just really fun picks. I think it's it's going to be fun to watch these guys in the league. I cannot wait. So uh, did you want to go, Kevin? You, I, I, I was wondering if you needed medical attention. If you were so excited about the the I, college teammates. I just, <laughs> it's so cool, man. I, the only thing that's a downer is Urban. Kyler, how about that, how, how do you, how do you feel about Kyler Murray just on the outside looking in, not getting Ceedee Lamb last year? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, what? he probably can't see over the window. Is honestly how I feel oh, about that. Wow. Sorry, um, it's low hanging fruit, but that's what he needs, right? Okay. Done there. So, oh, like, my goodness. <laughs> two short jokes right now. Uh, right? Yeah. Danny, how tall are you? Barely, basically the same height as Kyler Murray. So, I, you know, it takes one to <laughs> no one. It's fine. I couldn't play quarterback either. So, either. The, I like either. Kyler Murray. I don't know What's why going I on? I love Kyler Murray. I don't know why that just What happened. does this I, podcast develop into? Where did like we Ky- get this? I like Kyler Murray. He's playing chess and a- he can kick my ass at chess. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here? It's like just overwhelming the amount of stuff that just happened. I don't even know where to start. That was a lot. Okay. I think that's all we got. Thank you so much, DK. Thank you to Kevin. Thank you to our producers, Isaiah Blakely and Arjuna Ramgopal. Thank you for listening to the Rear NFL show. We will have episodes. Tomorrow is going to be Nora, Kalen, and Roger are going to be on tomorrow night. DK and I will be back on Saturday when the draft is over, giving our awards on the whole weekend. And then uh, Kevin and Nora are going to be here on Monday. And then every Monday in the month of May and June. I'm on Rusillo tomorrow as well. And you're on Rusillo tomorrow. And then you can also catch DK and I on Ringer Fantasy Football Show uh, one more episode after the draft. And then we'll be back yep. uh, later in June. And then, yeah. And then so we're going to go now. Kevin, you did an interview with Baker Mayfield this week. Uh, we're going to play that next. Anything you want to plug on that? Anything you want to tease? A good interview. Great interview. <laughs> <laughs> He's really Great good. Interview. Really I good. had nothing to do really with good. it. I just, I just said, "Hey Baker, talk," and then he was like, "Hey, great stuff." Um, no, he he was really, really good. I I did not have to do a whole lot of work on the interview. Um, he total, totally good sport. Understood the show. Um, had some real interesting insights on the draft, on the Browns, on what he's looking forward to this year, uh, and his UFO sighting, which is important. I think. There we go. All right, everyone, enjoy that. Thanks for sticking around. We'll see you guys tomorrow. All right, Baker Mayfield, one of the best quarterbacks in football, former first overall pick, um, delivered the Cleveland Browns to the promised land of the playoffs last year. Welcome to Solo Newsday. What's going on, man? I appreciate you having me. Not much. You know, just kind of hanging out, working out, and uh, living life. All right, so you're here on behalf of Body Armor. We're going to get to that. I want to start you off big picture. It's draft week. I'm curious, as someone who went through the whole process, and I was looking at all the reports leading up to your first first overall selection, and there were about 500 different reports. Oh, this guy's going here. This guy, Baker's going to slip here. Whatever it was, you end up going first overall. When you're in it, when you're in the middle of it, Baker, what's the one thing we don't know about going through that draft process when you're a top quarterback? Ooh, um, I just think, you know, the the details of these interviews and the process these teams go through, these background checks and, and, you know, finding out stories from when you're in middle school. And (laughs) I mean, like just to kind of find out who you are as a real person, like your real character, because like these, I mean, it's an interview process. So like you can say one thing and if you don't mean it, teams will find out like they always have a way of finding the truth out. So you'll get asked about everything during that process. But then when it comes down to it, I, I think 
mentally I was in a good place because I did everything I could during these interviews and workouts, but then leading up to the, you know, the week of the draft, there's nothing else I could do at that point to improve my stock. Like everything was already in place. It was out of my control. So I kind of just, you know, relaxed on that, tried to, uh, and enjoy being around family and friends, but it's, it's a very scrutinizing process. That's for sure. When did you know you were going to Cleveland? I, you know, good thing you brought up the, you know, all those articles because they're the day of the draft, like the morning of, there was all those articles saying that I was going to Cleveland, but I hadn't heard anything from anyone in Cleveland. So I wasn't going to believe in it. Uh, I didn't want to get my hopes up to then be disappointed. So I didn't know until I got the phone call from John Dorsey. Wow. Yeah, because I just remember that process and all the names that were connected at one. It was just crazy. If you were the commissioner of the NFL or just put in charge, could wave a wand and could change one thing about the draft process, what would it be, Baker? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I feel like the anticipation, you know, after one pick and then leading up to the next, I feel like it's it's a pretty long process. Yeah. But I do realize that it's, I would make it shorter, but I don't think that would be a good thing because all these teams are having to, you know, evaluate these guys. And if somebody comes off the board then they have to go to a different plan. So I think it's a pretty special weekend. The fact that it's, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and and everybody just, you know, they're waiting for that name to be called. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you see some of the takes, and I'm sure you have, yeah, the process is too long. Okay. Like the last two weeks, you start looking at TV. Okay. No, we need to shorten this process, whatever it is. Um, have you seen any of the top quarterbacks? And have any of them jumped out at you this year, Baker? I think it's an extremely talented group. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, pretty similar to um, my class that was coming out. I think there's some really good guys. Uh, I think there's a lot of raw talent. Obviously, Trevor is very unique and very special, um, and, and I think that's that's one thing that he's known. He's been going number one overall for a long time now, and I, that's that's a unique thing in itself. So I just think it's fun to kind of see how you know the rest of it's going to play out. I think there's going to be some some trade ups and some some hecticness, craziness that's going to go on, but that's what makes it fun. So. You bring winning football to Cleveland over the past year, and not just you, but it's a great team, coaching staff, you know, front office, all that stuff. But obviously, it wasn't a normal year because you know it wasn't full full fans in the stands. You couldn't see everybody on the street. But was there an interaction that stands out, or a moment for you where you understood the gravity of what it meant to get Cleveland winning football? I mean, I you know, again, it's not the same. People can't grab you and hug you on the street or whatever. Um, but yeah. I'm sure you had some interactions. When what sticks out when you think about that? Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a first. I'd, I'd say that we had a really special group, and for us, really not to be able to to get together, uh, like yeah. in the locker room, we had to be all separate. But I think that was, to me, that's the you know the biggest regret that I'll have, even though that's out of my control. We had a great group, but I think you know between coming home after the the Pittsburgh uh, wild card game, clinching the playoffs at home yeah. versus Pittsburgh, they played like an old highlight tape and had, you know, the Cleveland rock song going on. Uh, and then even after we, we lost to the chiefs, we were all so angry as players and staff, like, you know, we wanted to win like, yeah. plain and simple. But when we got back home, there were a ton of fans waiting at the airport. Yeah. And, and to me, that says a lot, you know, they were so proud and happy to be along that journey with us. And, and even though we lost, they wanted to show their support. And I think, I'd say that's probably the biggest moment, uh, but that's why I keep telling people, you know, let's let's set a new standard and expectation around there that we want to create that winning culture. 
So the NFL has said they expect full stadiums in the fall. What's the number one thing you're looking forward to just when you get to see all of the Browns fans get that full experience after experiencing what you experienced last year? The Browns fans are so unique in the, in the sense that it's generational. It's, it's a ton of families that have passed on season tickets for years and years. And so I think for a lot of these fans that haven't been able to enjoy football in Cleveland for a long time, I'm excited to hear those stories and see, you know, them truly enjoy it uh, and to, to have our stadium rock and when, when teams come to play us. So obviously last year, last offseason, as you alluded to, completely abnormal, couldn't get together with for OTAs, mandatory minicamp, all that stuff. Even the training camp was weird. This year, it's going to be a lot of the same. Um, there will be a mandatory minicamp, but it's just going to be a little bit stilted. As far as getting better at being co- a quarterback right now, what is the most important thing? What are you working on? And how do you adapt that for the fact that, okay, you're not going to be able to get 22 guys in the field or play seven on seven like you normally would on, on a, in yep. a facility over the offseason? What stands out there, Big? For me, I found a great routine last offseason, you know, being uh, living at home in Texas and getting into a good workout routine, a good nutrition plan, hydration, finding those things out, what works for me and continuing that. And so I was able to, you know, get a, a much bigger head start on it this off season. And then going into to year two of this system with the same staff um, to clean up all those details and truly grasp uh, our, our offense and, you know, learn how to completely control it. All the little things, you know, iron those out and all these details, because when we hit the ground running, like we'll, we'll get the skill guys together and we'll throw and we'll yeah. do all that. But, you know, for me mentally to have complete control of it, I think is the biggest thing this off season for me. All right. This is important. So you've quoted Ron Swanson in a press conference for you've quoted Dwight Schrute. You work this stuff in. Is there a show that you have not worked into a press conference that you're trying to work in? It'd probably be my all time favorite Seinfeld that, that I would love oh. to, to work in. Maybe a Kramer reference. That, that, that would be good. Okay. Um, okay. So that's, that's our, that's our project for 2021 is working some, some Seinfeld. Yeah. I, I think that might be it. Maybe a little Larry David quote, something like that. Oh man, Larry David's a huge NFL fan. So I mean, maybe, maybe there, there might be something there. Um, how, how do you decide when you work in a Ron Swanson, when you work in a Dwight Trude, how do you decide how to work that in? And, and is it just because you were watching something the day before? How does that even happen? No, it's, uh, it's not up to my control of what I'm supposed to say. That is the, the QB room. They, they vote on the quotes of the week and um, have to try and fit it in. Luckily, some of these questions set it up for a natural response. Well, somewhat natural response. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Ron Swanson is always natural. Let's get that. Let's make that clear. Ron Swanson Absolutely. can fit into anything. Um, all right. I know you talked about this yesterday, but I do want to, to address it with as much detail as you can explain the UFO sighting. <laughs> uh, driving home from dinner, my wife, nighttime, the music going, it's dark outside. Um, and just a, a perfect white gold, um, circle, like ball, dropping straight down and going very quickly. Uh, and I, I've seen comments, I've seen shooting stars, and it wasn't that. Yeah. It's was way bigger. There was nothing trailing it. It was just the circle itself coming down. Um, and, you know, had to turn the music down and kind of looked at her like, uh, did you just see that? Like, uh, yeah. And we weren't going out looking for it. We weren't doing that. It just kind of happened. So the skept- some skeptics come out of the woodwork and say, okay, as you alluded to, it could be a, a shooting star, it could be a drone, it could be a weather balloon. It was none of those things. No, I, I truly believe it was UFO. Okay. Last thing here before we get into uh, a couple of the, the standard stuff here. Um, is the mustache ever coming back? <sighs> we'll see. 
you know, it, it's, uh, we'll see if I can control that power. You know, the power of a mustache is pretty severe. So not, not everybody, uh, can harness it. I had one last summer and then Jeff Fisher came on this show and said it was a bad mustache. And I had, I <laughs> had to go. It had to go. When Fisher says that, I, was I mean, that's say, like when Coach yeah. Fish says that, yeah, you got you got to get rid of it at that point. I mean, that's like if you're a quarterback and you get ripped by like Tom Brady, right? Like he's the he's the master of the mustache, and you just have to listen to him in those sort of situations. Um, tell us what you're doing with body armor. So body armor, you know, it's a extremely fortunate and blessed to be you know a partner of theirs, um, and we just did something very special the the one more campaign. Uh, it's about getting one more rep in doing, doing the extra things, the little things to where, you know, you can raise that level of play, uh, your training and everything. And it's body armor itself. The product is unbelievable. I I truly do believe in it. That's why, uh, this partnership started. Um, and you know, no added artificial sweeteners, none of that, no extra sugar. Like it's, it's so good for you. And, And for me, that that's so important. Uh, but the mentality that, you know, started it was, was Kobe Bryant was a huge partner for body armor. And I was such a huge Kobe fan and, you know, that competitive spirit, uh, all things kind of aligned for it, but this one more campaign just kind of sums all that up. And you think about all the names that were involved uh, in this commercial that's uh, coming out. It's, it's pretty special. Mookie Betts, James Harden, Trey Young, Sabrina, Naomi. I mean, it's just Christian McCaffrey. It's a, it's a widespread group of athletes that have a, a huge impact on the world. And I think that's so special that um, they did something and accomplished this to, you know, to show the importance of how to work hard, train hard and fuel your body. Right. And, and see what happens. Definitely. Um, all right. Last two, last two things. Number one, we do a thing called club Kevin. Uh, it, it is just whoever is your favorite person in the world this week, whoever crushed it could be some, some TV that, that you watch could be a movie you just recently saw whoever you think is winning the week. Ooh, this week, um, Fernando Tatis. Ooh, he's, okay. he's crushing it right now. Uh, I mean, okay. five home runs in three games versus the Dodgers, uh, getting a little, little payback on, on Trevor Bauer. I, I think that rivalry with the, the Dodgers and Padres is pretty special. So I, I think yeah. it's exciting what he's doing for baseball, uh, bringing that fire and energy back to it. All right. Baker Mayfield, body armor. Thank you so much for joining us on Newsday. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.